Okay. Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Alexander Inman, parent coach and infant toddler developmental specialist, here today with Ms. Angie Weber. Hi, thanks for having me. You are so welcome, Angie. Thank you for being here. Now, we've got so much to talk about. So before we jump right in, I'm just going to tell people a little bit about you and then we'll get to it. Yeah. All right. So Angie is mom of twins, wife, podcast host, parent coach, and creator of The Parent Toolbox. She is on a mission to break generational cycles. I have goosebumps just reading that. (laughs) She has taken her knowledge of natural products and the therapeutic techniques that she has learned through her own healing journey to provide parents with more tools and tricks for their parenting toolbox. Like that is yes. so- <laughs> nice day. So Angie, tell us about this toolbox. What is it? Yeah. So the toolbox, like you had mentioned kind of in my introduction is something that really was developed from my own personal experience at first. So, um, you know, I, we, I felt like they had the typical family. I was the mom, I was doing most of the things. My mental load was really high. I, you know, I was the cook, I was the grocery shopper, the maid, you know, all these things. I still kind of am. So I can't say I got rid of all those titles, uh, but it was just becoming a lot. But I was um, going a full time telling and educating people about essential oils through different holistic classes and stuff. Really love that. Um, and really, I wanted to do that because I started realizing how many toxins we bringing into our homes unfortunately that we don't even realize because we think oh my gosh if it's sold at the store it's fine it's not harmful to us and unfortunately as a consumer we need to do a lot more research right so i was doing that and then 2020 hit and i don't need to remind anyone of what happened in 2020 but um that was a very life-changing year for me as well actually before the pandemic even hit i went through some personal trauma and uh tried to do some of the you know just basic things therapy taking some time off trying to do some more self-care but about a year into my healing journey i just could feel something wasn't right within myself and so i thought there's nothing anyone else can do to fix this. Like I unfortunately have to do the hard work because no one can say or do anything to make me feel better. And so I actually enrolled in an intensive outpatient treatment program for about four months. And the information that I was learning through that program was mind blowing to me. And I started using a lot of the tools just for me personally, but then I also started using them on my kids because I saw such great results. And again, this was in the midst still kind of the pandemic, everything was a little up and down and I just saw my kids adapting so much better and I saw our relationship get better and so I decided to do a class called the parent toolbox Uh, it was again tying in those therapeutic techniques and also tying in holistic options if that's what they wanted and I got so much great feedback afterwards and people were saying wow why don't we know about this or why weren't we taught this when we were younger or empty nesters who attended the class who said gosh, I really wish I had these tools because I think my kids probably think all I did was yell when they were young. And that was kind of the catalyst for the parent toolbox. So really it's a space to come to for education, support, and then different options for tools because maybe I like, you know, using the screwdriver and my toolbox and you might like using the hammer that might fit best for your job. And so it's really giving people options of how they can build up these toolboxes so we can be proactive with health physically, mentally, and emotionally. 
Wow. And thank you for mentioning proactive because that is so important because in this society, we are so reactive yes. and having something to do proactively, you walk into it with such a different mental you know, like just different mental health, you're in a different space, in a different headspace. So yeah, so can you share maybe a couple of those tools with us? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I also say that a lot too, that we are live in a very reactive society and it's, it's easy to do, right? Because we constantly think we have to be busy. We constantly think we have to have the answer right away. So for example, one of the tools that I love starting out with people um, is really just understanding the window of tolerance. And that was a concept created by Dan Siegel. He has a lot of great videos out there about it. So I always encourage people like, go watch his videos. He can go very much more in depth of it. Uh, I like to break it down to a little bit more of a kid kind of version, um, if you'll say. So I always tell people, you know, pretend you're standing in front of a window. This is where you're in your sweet spot of emotions. When you're standing up confidently, you can hear the birds outside. You can see the colors of the trees. You can, you know, smell the dew on the grass. This is where we're really thriving. Now, our kids might do something. Our spouse might do something. A coworker might do something during the day that makes us a little bit, you know, upset or sad. Like, that's just life, right? Like, we're not going to be happy-go-lucky all the time in this thriving spot. But what we really want to start paying attention to, and this actually has to do a lot with the parents starting the work first. So even though people come and they say, you know, my, my kids are fighting. Um, I feel like I'm yelling all the time. Uh, they're on screen time too much. Whatever the issue is, is that they feel like they're dealing with. A lot of times we have to sit back and we kind of have to do some self-reflection first. And so with the window of tolerance, what you want to start doing is start really paying attention to your body to see when you're going into your fight or flight mode or when you're going into your freeze mode. So I like to call the fight or flight kind of high activation, like you're kind of bouncing off the ceiling, right? If you're bouncing off the ceiling, there's no way you'd be able to see everything that's going on outside that window. And then on the other extreme, the freeze with low activation, that's like if you're laying down on the floor and you can't even lift your head up to see out the window. So again, you're not really getting that clear picture. So when we start identifying times or feelings or body sensations or thoughts that are sensitive, Sending us into one of those extremes, we can start practicing safe and healthy coping skills. And that is one of my biggest drivers of teaching this stuff is because I want our kids to know safe and healthy coping skills. Because unfortunately, a lot of us grew up suppressing our emotions versus being told to express them. So we decided to go to, or we were kind of trained to go to survival resources or coping skills that numb it out. And so I really like to work with families to start understanding kind of where their emotions are so that they can start better expressing them and understanding them so we can teach that and model it to our children. Um, so that's one of the tools that I love to use. I am also a huge component about like uncomfortable conversations, how to, you know, model proper communication with our kids, because I love working with parents who have kids in kind of that elementary age uh, kind of gap right there. But then I talk to parents who have teenagers and we hear the same thing from from teenage parents, right? Like I'm not saying it's a cakewalk. I'm not saying, you know, just telling them the window of tolerance is going to change everything. But um, it's it's, it's really important to understand that if we want that communication, we need to start modeling it for our children at a very young age, if possible, because a lot of people say my teen doesn't want to talk to me. They're not sharing what's going on in their life. Well, let's again take a step back and kind of reflect on what kind of things did you talk about while they were growing up, because if they came to you with an issue 
and you kind of freaked out, which we do as parents, right? Like they come to us with something and internally we're like, oh my gosh, I wasn't prepared for this. And this is kind of scaring me. And now I'm worried and I don't know what to do. And then we word vomit over them or we start getting really like aggressive with the, with our tone, which to us is we're scared and uncertain to them. What they hear is you're in trouble. You're wrong. I'm mad. And kids really remember that kind of stuff. So that's another thing that I love to do is like, if you have an uncomfortable conversation, it's okay to come back to it. Like, let's start modeling these different um, communication skills at a young age. And then the other thing is, of course, holistic products too. Um, I love educating people if that's something that they're interested in, because I just think it's so important for people to start creating a healthier environment that they can control. Obviously, we can't control everything happening in um, in our world with, you know, pollution and air quality and things like that. But we can do a lot of things inside our home um, to make it a healthier space because that typically when we have a lot of toxins, it can disrupt hormones. It can create brain fog, stress, sleeping issues, things like that. And so again, being proactive with our health so we can hopefully avoid some of those issues down the road. That was a lot. That was a lot. And it was a lot of amazing. So okay. I go back a little bit, right? So when you were talking about the window and I'm picturing, you know, somebody looking out that window and trying to be proactive, but then, okay, so I come from being a mess. I, you know, I yell at my children, I'm doing all of this. And then now I want to change the way I parent. Do I start documenting it? Like, how do I keep myself accountable to know that I am actually doing the thing? Because, you know, in two seconds, I've got the laundry and then I've got little Johnny yelling and then the dog's barking and then somebody's at the door. Yeah. How do we do it? Yeah. I mean, that's like a typical day of a mom, right? Uh, or most parents. I mean, it's just one thing after another. You can't even keep your head straight. For example, yesterday I was working all day. I was trying to, you know, we have to sometimes kind of schedule in time with our kids, right? When we're working. And so I ended up taking them to get some craft stuff, yada, yada. They did that. I finished work. And then I spent three hours trying to help them with some of like their Nintendo Switch. And I was just like for ride at the end of the day. And my husband's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm so burnt out right now. It is 8.30 and I'm still on the online chat with Nintendo. Like I'm, I'm done, I'm spent for the day. So again, the best place to start when we feel like we're just kind of being pulled in every direction, as hard as it is, take a pause. Like I know that the comment, you know, the advice of like, just do a breathing exercise is very overused, but it's so powerful. That's why people say it because our nervous system is getting really dysregulated and we need to figure out how can we get it to calm down a little bit. And so again, it's really taking that moment for yourself to start evaluating yourself. And so you totally can start doing it on a piece of paper. You can make mental notes. You can do it in your note, in your phone, whatever works best for you. But when you start kind of feeling like these different emotions come up, I tell people to kind of do like a body scan and start tuning in. And it doesn't have to be like a huge long thing. It can be just a few seconds, but you can just ask yourself, you know, what thoughts am I having right now? Like what's coming? Is there a lot of negative self-talk happening in my brain right now? Um, what are What's happening with my five senses? Are any of them heightened? Are any of them dulled right now when I'm in this kind of feeling? What emotions are coming up? 
what kind of body sensations am I having? So that kind of means like when I get really anxious, my stomach gets in knots or I get really fidgety. So like my leg will start going up and down. Um, and then also, um, oh, that would be a body movement, but body sensation, you know, that fluttering in your stomach or possibly when you're in that freeze mode, it's kind of feeling like you're so heavy, like you just can't even move. And so just kind of taking cues of that. And as you start listening to your body, it's going to start becoming easier for you to start identifying, but then seeing like, okay, Johnny's yelling, the dog is barking, the, you know, the laundry's done and kind of start taking a look back and observing it from a full picture of like, okay, is this happening every day? Like, what can I do to change how this is, how we're approaching all of this stuff? If you have a child who's super stressed out in the morning, for example, and you feel like it is a nonstop battle of crying and yelling and whatever is happening in the morning when you're trying to get out the door for work and they're trying to get out the door for school, like, again, let's take a step back. Is this happening every morning? How are they handling their emotions? Could 10 minutes of extra time be the thing that they need because they're just feeling rushed and so we're feeling rushed and then they pick up on that because emotions and things like that are like dominoes. Like when someone gets stressed out, someone else is probably going to get stressed out. When someone gets angry, unless they have these tools to really keep them in a centered, calm space, they're most likely going to get angry too. And so it's really just starting with yourself and then having the grace to know like you might still yell. You might still just that one extra bark of that dog might kind of push you over the edge and that's okay. What we want to do is just continue to try, get better at it. And again, be more proactive with these situations. Awesome. Now, how do you, because everybody, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but often I hear that anger is bad Hmm. and I believe that it's a very useful emotion used, you know, applied correctly in the right places. (laughs) How do we teach children that it's okay to be angry? How do we how do we respond to a child's anger in a way that serves everyone? Absolutely. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I love talking about anger because I think you are completely right. We have put these labels on different emotions that they're bad. And so we're told, don't be angry. You shouldn't be angry. Just keep your mouth shut. Don't yell. Why not? Like again, in the right circumstances, in the right places and safe places, there are a lot of things we can do to express our anger. Someone telling us don't be angry does not mean like all of a sudden we're gonna be like, you're right, I, I'm, I'm happy now, I'm good. I don't need to express this anger, but it's energy within our bodies that need to be let out. So as a child, they don't have the emotional intelligence when they're born, neither did we, right? And we just picked up on cues from our parents. And so that's why I say that I really am on a mission to break generational parenting cycles, because I'm not saying that's any shame on a parent um, for doing what they did, because that's what they typically saw growing up and it just gets handed down. And so for anger, like our kids don't know how to express and a lot of times we don't either. And as parents were frustrated or angry, we typically yell. And then our kids see that. So then when they get angry, they yell. And then we tell them, you can't yell. Why are you doing that? Yeah, it's kind of like do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. And so we really need to reframe that because kids are like mirrors. They're like little sponges. And I always say they show you the best and worst parts of yourself, unfortunately, sometimes. And so I think anger is such a valuable um, emotion to talk about and educate because everyone gets angry. 
It's not that you're a bad person. It's not that you're feeling a wrong emotion. If you're angry, it is just an emotions and no emotions are bad. And so when we talk about anger in our home, again, we love to talk about kind of some different safe, healthy resources that we can do in order to express this, to get this energy out of our body so that it's not building up, that we're not suppressing it, but we rather are expressing it. And so we can push against a wall. We can scream into a pillow. We can stomp our feet out side we can run in place we can play drums on the couch um there's so many different ways we can do it and it's not about keeping that emotion contained it's just about being able to express it in healthy ways. And so there are three rules that we really talk about um, at the Parent Toolbox when it comes to anger to start helping children understand at an early age. And it's one, you can't harm yourself, you can't harm others, and you can't harm property that's not supposed to be harmed. Those are the three rules. If they're, If those three rules are checked off and you wanna do something like go outside and, you know, stomp on the ground or you know, bounce a basketball as hard as you can on the ground, that is perfectly fine. Go express it, get it out of your system, and we can always talk about it later. Absolutely, because suppressing it is not effective. It just gets worse because it compounds and it just gets, you know, really, it, it becomes a problem. You know, I often tell parents, you know, you mentioned breathing. And one thing I do with the parents I work with, I just, when we, um, again, practice breathing. So the four, seven, eight, you know, breathe in for four, hold for seven, out for eight. And when they, when I see them start to escalate, I just say four, seven, eight. And then now they just hear it. Cause it's always, I always, you know, just throw that out at them and it becomes more automatic now for them to engage in that. And they see such an amazing difference because like you said, children are mirrors, they're sponges. So when they see us do that, they're more likely to, and then they learn to regulate themselves. Do you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I always say like most of the time it starts with the parents before it even starts with the kids, because we unfortunately have a harder job as the parents learning this stuff than our children do because we've been hardwired for so long that and we're stubborn right like we're like we're not the problem they're the problem obviously like they're the ones with the attitude problem but again we need to start doing the work with ourselves so when we can start mirroring some of those safe and healthy coping skills our kids are going to pick up on it now not all the time so like it's really important too to start trying to practice some of these things like breathing exercises for example outside of those really high intense emotions because when you try do it in a high intense motion only then your kids are going to start being like oh if she tells me to breathe one more time like they're going to get more frustrated and that happened to my daughter actually she was upset with me about something something about her hair and i went into the bathroom to check on her and i could tell that she was getting really angry and so instead of saying like oh why don't we try a breathing exercise or something like that i just started doing a breathing exercise and she looks over at me and she goes, I know what you're doing. I said, what am I doing? She goes, you want me to breathe and I don't want to breathe. And I said, that's fine. That's your choice. I'm going to sit here and breathe. You don't have to do it. Like they're not little soldiers. They're not going to, you know, do the things perfectly all the time, but neither do we either. So, but yes, I think it's very important for us to mirror that for our children and use those things like breathing exercises um, in our own life. So it can become second nature to us. So then 
our kids can start building their own little toolboxes. Absolutely. And then, you know, they can take or leave whatever, you know, they just take what works for them and the rest, they can just let it go. But we have to give them tools because without them, we're setting them up for failure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a huge part, again, of why I got a parent certification, coaching certification, and why I developed the parent toolbox and uh, love to educate people is because, again, I mean, I had a great childhood. I'm not going to lie. Like, my parents are great and loving and amazing and supportive. And I can also see how emotions and mental health issues and things like that were very much swept underneath the rug. So now, going into my adulthood in my early 30s, when trauma hit, I started kind of reflecting back on, oh, yeah, I'm an functioner because I don't like to deal with the emotions. I don't, I feel like everything is always on my shoulders that I have to fix everything. Like a lot of stuff kind of came to light. And I thought, wow, what if I just understood this more as a child? What if everyone understood some of these foundation pieces of how to really understand and express emotions? How much further could our kids be along? Like how many, I love therapists, so don't get me wrong. Uh, but like how many of us could avoid sitting long-term in a therapist office when we're in our thirties to try rewire if we just learned that when we were younger and with the rise of mental health issues in children and unfortunately suicide rates and things like that i just feel like this is so needed people need to start paying attention to this so we can reroute the track a little bit absolutely and you made me think of i interviewed dr ravi rajaratnam um, a few months ago and he wrote a book rewiring, I mean, hardwiring versus rewiring. And it's so important that we hardwire our children during those critical early years so that they don't have to pay those millions and billions of dollars to become rewired. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but so we can just do as much as we can do and it's not always going to be perfect. And so I tell parents like you start using some of these strategies, start using, you know, observe to see what's happening in your child, but no, and you're probably going to make a mistake. Someone actually once told me, she said, my biggest fear is that I am going to mess up my kids. And my response was, you are. Like there is something that you are going to do that they are going to bring up later on in life. We cannot be perfect. We are not perfect. And they shouldn't see us as perfect either. They should see us fail so they can understand that that's a normal part of life. And again, build up those tools as well of like, how do we deal with things like rejection and, um, you know, exclusion and stuff? Like, how can we overcome that in safe and healthy ways? So, yes, I mean, we want to make sure that we're being realistic with them, right? That you know, like you said, like there's, um, I'm working with a family right now and one of the little girls, she has, he has a meltdown when things are not perfect. So Mm -hmm. I told mom, make mistakes and be nonchalant about it. So she sees that it's okay to make a mistake because if we don't model it, they will not, they won't learn it. Mm -hmm. It's so important for us to model the behaviors we want our children to imitate. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I always tell parents too, it's okay to apologize to our kids. Like, let's start normalizing that too. So for example, if I get really frustrated, maybe I yell at, excuse me, um, 
it's not that I'm going to be like, well, they're just going to forget about it. I'm just not going to say anything like, and then let that guilt eat me inside. I just wait till I'm a little bit more calm and go to them and say, Hey, you know, guys, I'm really sorry that I yelled. You don't deserve to be spoken to like that. And next time I'm going to try take a, I like to call them mommy minutes. Like if I need a little bit of a break, if I can feel myself getting really, you know, into that high activation fight or flight mode, I'll just say, I need a mommy minute. So next time I'm going to take a mommy minute before I respond. Um, and so just kind of starting to normalize that, because again, that's going to build a stronger bond and better communication with your kids too, as they grow older. Absolutely. And they learn to apologize because you've modeled mm-hmm. taught them that it's okay to apologize. Mm-hmm. So we all fall down. <laughs> it's true. Probably more than once for most of us. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, I cannot even count how many times for me. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned the mommy minute. Um, cause I parents, you know, they're like, well, I should put them in timeout. No, you take a timeout. You take a moment to get yourself together because putting a child in timeout is not effective, you know, and mm-hmm. studies have shown that yes, yeah, some parents, they swear by it and they say it works, but if you have to keep putting your child in timeout, it is not working people, right? Cause you're not something that works isn't going to be a long-term fix. It's you do it once or twice you know, or maybe over a month or two, and then you see the results of it. But if you're continuing to do it, then it's not working. Yeah. Well, and I think that kind of wraps into as well of the fact that like as a society, we've been told in, you know, how, what a good parent is, what good kids are. So good kids are the ones that listen and are obedient and, you know, you they're seen and not heard kind of thing. That's been a mentality for a long time. And so when they do start pushing boundaries because they're going to their children, they're humans, like they're just trying to figure it out like us, right? When they do start doing those things, if we yell and we send them away and we put them in time out, yeah again it might be a quick fix but it's not actually fi- it's like putting a band-aid on a cut off leg right like it's it's not going to be solved by doing that we might think because in that moment because we're very reactive again oh look they listen to me they're obedient they're good kids because i yelled and they went away no it's actually just instilling fear in them and again that's what's breaking down those communication bonds when they're younger is that they're not going to feel comfortable coming to you when they're older necessarily for things because look at how they were treated, you know, unfortunately, when they were a child. And if you've ever put your kid in a timeout, like, don't feel like the worst mom in the world and all this guilt is on you for doing that. Like, we all do those kind of things. It's just kind of, again, knowing better so we can do better. Absolutely. And it's funny because I know better. And I almost fell into that trap because we had a we had a foster child. And one day, I don't even tell you what he did. I won't even tell you what he did, but I was so upset. And I went to my said, listen, I am so angry right now. I don't, I can't even look at you because I'll just get more and more upset. And I wanted him to understand that I got upset too, you know, that I'm not perfect. And then I was like, I need you to go to your room right now. And I said, you know what? No, sorry. No, don't go to your room. Just sit in the living room. So that way, you know, I can see him and I knew I didn't want him to feel that because he did something that got me upset, that he was being ostracized, that he was no longer part of the family. And I because mm-hmm. when I started to do that, I was just like, I felt it in my gut. Oh, my goodness. What are you doing? And I had yeah. to apologize to him and just say, you know, just sit in the living room and we'll talk in a few minutes. As soon as I'm calm, we can talk, you know, mm-hmm. and um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I one day I, I, again, I was really upset and I asked him what's wrong with you. 
And then I said, oh Lord, because then I asked them. So then I changed it. And I said, so what what was what were you thinking? And then he said, I don't know, something's wrong with me. And I was like, oh my goodness, because I just asked him what was wrong with him. And he just threw it right back at me. And of course I had to apologize and just let him know nothing's wrong with him. I want him to make decisions that are safe because what he had done was not safe. And it's like, you could hurt yourself. And it just scared me. I got upset because I was scared, you know, and just, you know, we're having this conversation. And I think he really respected the fact that yes, he's only seven, actually he was six. He was only six and we're having, you know, and then he was like, wow. And he gave me a hug and I was just like, oh. (laughs) But it's tough parents, it is tough being a parent. And I'm saying all that to say, it is tough to be a parent because even those of us who supposedly know better still have moments. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm, I mean, that was such a great example of how we're going to stumble a little bit through this. Like old habits are still going to take over quite a bit. And, you know, I'm really like, I think that's a pivotal moment for a lot of parents. And I'm glad that you shared kind of like, oh, wait. And then all of a sudden I felt this in my stomach because again, we were taught to suppress so much with our emotions that we kind of stopped listening to our gut and our intuition a lot growing up, unfortunately. And so it could have been really easy for you to be like, oh, I'm just going to push that down. I'm just going to send him to his room because that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what other people do. And then we get kind of in that comparison trap. But instead, again, you took that pause, you listened to your body and thought, oh, no, I want to reroute this. I want to redo this. And I tell my kids all the time, like, I'm really upset right now and I need to take a step away or, you know, whatever it is. One little word that I love to work with parents when they're talking to their children, especially when they get upset, is replacing the word but with and. I love you and I'm not happy with the choice you made. I really like spending time with you and I need 20 more minutes to finish this before I can give you my focus. Like that little switch is so important because when we say I love you, but I'm really upset with the decision you made, we tend to focus on the last half of that. It can be both things. And that is something that I practice all the time with my kids. And I can see how they have started adapting it too. We watched a movie, I think it was Slumberland or something with the dreaming with the little girl and she's trying to find her dad and stuff. And the next morning, my daughter came into my room. She goes, mom, that movie, that was sad. And it was funny. And it was kind of a happy movie too. And I was just like, oh my gosh, (laughs) my mommy heart. Like, yes, it can be all those things. And that's what I love to touch people too. Like, just because we're upset doesn't mean we don't love our children. Doesn't mean we don't love our spouse. I can tell my husband, I love you so much. And I'm not really liking you right now. Like, doesn't mean I don't love you. (laughs) Exactly. And you know, somebody once said to me, but cancels out everything you said before it. Mm-hmm. So I, that actually, I'm glad you brought that up because that has been a thing for me too. So I try not to use it. Um, of course, sometimes we get caught up and it's like, no, and, um, but yeah, they were like, you know, and here I just went, <laughs> I just, yeah. So it's, it just cancels everything that you said before. So it's like, I love you, but I don't love you because I just, you know what I mean? Because of yeah. this. And yeah, so we have to be very careful because words are so important. Yeah. There's a lot of messages that we picked up that have stuck with us from childhood 
that maybe our parents didn't mean or they didn't know how much it was going to affect us or whatever it is. And again, I don't want to say that for parents to feel all of a sudden this like huge guilt of like trying to re re go back through their brain of like, oh, my gosh, what things did I say to mess up my kids? Like, again, I, I know my kids are going to have something to say about my parenting. <laughs> maybe that we talk about emotions too much. I don't know. Like they're going to have something to say to me um, about, you know, the way that they were raised and something they maybe wish they could be doing differently. Like we can, again, not be perfect. But um, yeah, I love that just little simple trick of of replacing one word to make such an impact. Yes, yes. Now you've mentioned products and I just want to go there because I also feel it's really important. Um, my friend, she sells a line of fragrance things. And my question was, are they natural fragrances? And the answer was yes. And when I got them, they were not natural. So I haven't used them <laughs> because I've learned that fragrances are toxic. So I try to tell people, keep those out of your homes. Now, what can... How can these things affect children, first of all? Yeah, so for example, well, they can affect them on all, again, different levels, mentally, emotionally, and physically. So physically, for example, when we have a lot of toxins, it's going to suppress our immune system. It's going to suppress our sleep, like all of those things. So when we say, you know, that kids are getting sick all the time, especially, it's surprising, right, that kids get sick around like Halloween time. It's because of a lot of the sugar that they're eating with all the candies. And then we go into Thanksgiving and then we go into Christmas and New Year's. And so we're consumed with all this stuff. And so that's kind of like the food piece of it but still the products that we're using can be suppressing our immune system as well because those toxic kind of start become heavy in our body and can affect just kind of how we operate again it can have the brain fog it can play with our you know different emotions again unbalanced hormones can have so many drastic effects from weight gain to stress levels to skin irritation and so the more we can be proactive with our kids health and be able to kind of reduce that mental or that toxic load on them, the better off that they're going to be as well. Now, for example, people who say that their children, not say, but people who have children who have, you know, maybe breathing conditions, for example, they think, oh, it's allergies, it's this, it's that, it's just what they have. And, um, then, but we don't think about, okay, what about that glaze? What about that plug-in that's in the wall right there with all those fragrance in it? What mm. about that store, very well-known brand that is an aerosol to eliminate odors that has 83 chemicals in every single bottle on average? What about those candles that we're burning that have, unfortunately, those fragrance candles are a really hard thing. It's hard to find a natural candle because if you use something like essential oils, for example, when they get heated up that high, they lose some of their potency. So that's why people have to use typically fragrances in candles, but that's still releasing a lot of toxins into our air. And so that's still clogging up their airways. That is still, you know, not helping them breathe any better, but we don't think about all of that, right? Like we just kind of assume that it's sold and it's fine and they wouldn't sell us if it's not good for us um another big issue with kids too with just uh you know they're if they have constipation issues or or gut issues a lot of people will push to use an over-the-counter yes thing <laughs> uh, i'm trying not to say brand names but it starts right. with an m and um they say you know it's fine it's fine well if you look at the label the label even says like don't use for a long time with children and so that's actually not doing anything again it's putting that band-aid on there it's not actually fixing the problem and that's what we want to do is be proactive with our health on all those different levels so that we can 
be able to just live healthier, happier lives. And with emotions too, the reason I love essential oils for so many reasons, but one of the reasons I love talking about them is because of how they work in our brain. So when we smell an essential oil, like a lemon, for example, um, lemon is a very uplifting smell. It's a citrus, just like if you were to smell like a fresh squeezed lemon or the zest from the lemon rind. The reason why it works so well uh, with helping us become uplifted and helping our moods is because when we smell it, it works with the olfactory bulb in our nose, which is sending signals to the part of the brain that works with our moods and emotions. And that's why I love using it with my children too at a young age is so that they know that they have these little tools of their own that they can go to that I don't have to worry about. So if they're feeling angry, maybe we grab the serenity or the calmer or the adaptive, or if, you know, for physical things, if they have a bug bite, it's mom, where's the lavender? If they have a tummy issue, it's where's the tamer? So they've started adapting that more holistic, um, healthier kind of problem solving approach to their issues versus going just kind of for more of that reactive approach oh gosh so important and again because everything has to you know we are holistic beings and we need to treat people that way so the foods that we eat you know our habits the air that we breathe all of that affects who we are to our core so i'm glad you have this amazing toolbox that people can access to help them live healthier, really, right? Essentially, that's what it is. Like from what I'm hearing, it sets you up for a healthier living, not only physically, but emotionally. And yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of all wrapped into one, like, like, let's break some cycles. Let's change some ways that we approach things. And let's just raise some really awesome humans. Yes, yes. And, you know, again, people look for good quality essential oils. Don't just get the one like dollar store essential oil. I'm sorry, nothing against a dollar store, but we want good quality things that don't have, you know, other products in them. I'm really glad that you brought that up because um, that, again, as consumers, unfortunately, we just have to do a lot more of the research. And so I'm glad that you brought that up because my background in my past career was marketing. I helped run a marketing company for seven years. So I know that there are loopholes. There are little things that you can do to kind of make things appear more natural. So yes, not all essential oils are created equally. So you need to do your research. I have some, you know, the brand that I personally like and trust and love, and we use all over our home on my website. But if you don't use that brand, just make sure you are doing your research because you can go to a big box store and think, wow, I just scored on this 10 set of essential oils. They all say 100% pure and it was only $9.99. Like this is way better than those other. Well, unfortunately, you're not actually getting hardly any pure essential oil with marketing loopholes because they're not FDA regulated. It could have as little as 10 to 5% of pure oil in there. So we don't want to be adding additional toxins with fragrance and the junk that they put in there. We want to be using safe and healthy products so that you can have that empowerment for your children to be able to go use them on their own too when they reach a certain age. Wow. Wonderful. And then you know that it's safe because they're not going to, you know, they can't overuse it. So, or can they? 
I mean, of course, we it, they're natural products, so we want to use common sense. I always tell people, like, we're not going to drop them in our eyes or in our ear canals or up our nose. Like, we need to use common sense um, with an actual pure essential oil. One drop of peppermint, for example, is equivalent to 28 cups of peppermint tea. So they are very potent and strong. So we don't want to use a whole bottle. If you're cooking with it, we're not going to use a half bottle of oregano to substitute, you know, a tablespoon of the herb oregano because then you'll be coming after me. Um, and your house is probably going to smell like that for a long time. Um, but you you want to use common sense. You want to start with a little bit and then add more if needed. Just because they're natural, we do still have to follow some safety protocols as well. Of course. Wonderful. Now, I just want to ask you, Miss Angie, if there's one thing you want people to leave this moment with, what would that be? Uh, I would say like, just know that you're doing such a fabulous job and you can always create the life that you want to. So if you feel like you're stuck with your family, if you feel like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've already just done too much damage. It's okay. You can start over. You can pivot. You can rewire. You can help your kids hardwire in a different way. And just know that you're doing an amazing job, especially if you're listening to a podcast like this with this amazing host. And Teresa is giving us so many amazing, um, you know, guests and opportunities to learn. And just taking that step forward already means that you're a great parent. Wonderful. And how can people get hold of you? Yeah, they can go to my website, theparenttoolbox.com info and so they can go there they can read a little bit more about me um they can see some of the tools that i have in the toolbox from parent coaching to free calls to free education to samples to kind of a little bit of again a little mix of everything so people can decide what works best for their toolbox and the job that they have in in front of them thank you so much miss angie this has been amazing um thoroughly enjoyed myself. I hope you have too. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. And to our audience, thank you for listening on Spotify and wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Um, yeah. And please share this because this is such amazing information. Please, please, please share because, you know, this will change your life. All right. All right. Parent with confidence. Thanks.